Father, we thank you, Lord, for another beautiful day. Lord, we thank you, God, for the rain that you have sent us, Lord, the gentle rain that waters the earth to produce the beautiful flowers and the food that we need. And, Father, we do thank you for that. But we thank you, Lord, that after the rain, the sun comes. And we're so grateful. We're grateful for your blessings to us, Lord, for your provision over us, Father. We're so grateful that you take very good care of us. You are a good, good Father. You're a good, good shepherd, and we praise you, Lord, for that. I pray that you bless your people today and that you draw us to know you more and to hear from you this morning what the pastor will share with us. And, Father, I pray that your anointing will be upon every part of the service, Lord, as the choir and orchestra lead us in to worship, Lord, that we would lift to you one sound of praise and worship that comes from a sincere heart. And, Father, we ask all of these things. I pray for the anointing of God also upon every teacher in every class that the word of the Lord will go forth in power and might. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and the glory. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. We are, we're in the house of the Lord again on another Sunday praising him, and I'm excited about that. Today, I felt like in my spirit that the Lord wanted us to focus on probably one of the most tender names or attributes and titles of his name that is all of, in all of scripture and it is the lord my shepherd so we're going to talk today about yahweh rohi the lord my shepherd when we speak of the lord as our shepherd the first place immediately that our minds go of course is to psalm 23 so we're going to look at psalm 23 today It is a beloved passage. It's one of the most well-known in all of Scripture, and it's cherished by many people. Just about every funeral that you attend, there'll either be a reading from it, or it'll be maybe on the bulletins or something like that. It's such a beloved passage, and it brings so much comfort to millions of people on a regular basis. So today, we want to revisit this and see what we can learn about the Lord, our shepherd, First, I want to go back and show us the importance of shepherding in Scripture. It's actually the very first profession that's ever mentioned in the Scripture because Abel was a shepherd. Many others were shepherds. Moses was a shepherd. God has shepherd imagery all throughout Scripture through various people who are types of the shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ But before going into talking about the Lord our shepherd, I'd like to read one verse from Matthew chapter 9. And it's Matthew 9, 36. And it it says, it's talking about Jesus here, and it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. So this passage shows us the dangers of not having a true shepherd over us. The sheep, the flock, were weary. They were exhausted. They became feeble or faint-hearted. It literally means to relax, to loosen. They became faint-hearted, despondent. And they were scattered. It means like they were flung aside cast aside, cast off, or thrown down to the ground. So those are the dangers when we do not have a true shepherd 
who cares for the flock to take care of us. So that's why Jesus followed that up with this instruction to pray to the Lord of the harvest for him to send laborers, true people who would love and care for his flock, who would serve in his field and who would do his work, true shepherds. Now let's explore what a shepherd is and what it does. In the New Testament, we read of the the job of a pastor, and it literally comes from shepherd. It comes from shepherding. The Hebrew word means to tend a flock or to pasture that flock. It's talking about feeding them, to see that they are well-fed and well-nourished, to see to their care, one who watches over them and protects them, who provides for and cares for them. And the word pastor is the biblical word that comes from this idea. His job is the job of a shepherd over a congregation. He is an under-shepherd under the, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the chief shepherd, Peter says in his epistle. The theological word book of the Old Testament speaks of how from ancient antiquity, rulers were described as demonstrating their legitimacy to rule based upon their ability to pasture the people. It's interesting also how the new manners and customs of the Bible shows us that he had to feed them, provide water and nourishment, protect them constantly, attend to their needs, even fight for them. He would carry them on his shoulders when they were tired or sick. When one was lost, he went to find it. He had instruments to, ha- to help him. He had a sling and a rod. These were weapons. For weapons, he needed a heavy club and a sling. In the hands of a shepherd who had time to practice the sling, he could use it with great accuracy. And we see a beautiful example of that in 1 Samuel 17, where David, who had been growing up, watching over sheep, killing lions, killing bears, slinging slingshots to protect his flock. And all the while, when he was on the backside of the desert, nobody there but him and God and the sheep. And God was showing him how to shepherd his people, Israel. And God was using all of that to train him to shepherd the nation of Israel at a later time. God has no waste in his economy. He will use everything to train us for what he calls us to do. The shepherd also had a staff. It was not necessarily a weapon. It was normally used to help the shepherd get around easily in hilly or rough country, and it was often used to help control the sheep. He had the crook, remember? And sometimes when a sheep was starting to stray out a little bit away, He'd use that crook and bring that sheep back in because he loved the sheep. He cared for the sheep. When the sheep were passing through a narrow entry, when they entered the sheepfold at night, for instance, they were counted under his rod or staff. Now, I read about one place, and and this is interesting, and this is even up to some modern Middle Eastern shepherds today. It was talking about how intimately a shepherd knew his sheep to the point that there, he would get so intimately in, 
involved in them and know them so much that he didn't even have to count them anymore under the rod. If one was missing, he could feel it. He could feel it. He could sense it because he knew everyone that belonged to him. And when one wasn't there, he felt it. He felt that that one was missing. It's interesting how that, that happens and how beautifully that pictures our Lord Jesus Christ. He also had a musical reed pipe. And this is interesting. It was part of his possession. It was easily made, but it was also easily broken. When damaged, the shepherd would normally discard the old one and make a new one. But in Matthew 12, 20, and in Isaiah 42, 3, it brings out this scripture about Jesus, the Messiah, that when there was a bruised reed, he would not break it. Now, that's precious to me. When you think about us sometimes like that reed, and sometimes we get bruised, sometimes we get wounded, but Jesus will never discard us. He will never cast us away. He will never allow something to completely break us. It may wound us, and we may suffer, but he will never discard us. Rather, the scriptures tell us, even in Isaiah 61, which he quoted and said it was fulfilled in him, one of those verses says that part of what the Spirit of God anointed him to do was to bind up the brokenhearted. Every one of us have had something in life that has ripped our heart out that has torn us apart, whether it's with a child, a health issue, whatever it may be. There's been things that have wounded us in our spirit and hurt us in our heart and broken our hearts. And yet one of the things, this is so beautiful, and this is why I say this is one of the most tender parts of understanding our God. It's one of the most tender names or titles of Jesus is to understand that one of the things that he was anointed to do by the Holy Spirit of God was to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring healing, to bring deliverance. So we can be encouraged by this today, that our shepherd will bind up our wounds. He cares about our tears. The Bible tells us he captivates them, keeps them in a bottle among his special treasures somewhere. He's keeping them. Peter tells us that we can cast our cares upon him. Why? Because it matters to him. He cares for us. So now let's actually read Psalm 23 and go through this a little bit. It's a short psalm, and we can probably all just about quote it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The first thing it tells us here is that he will take care of us. He will, we will not suffer any lack. We will not have any want. He will see to our provision. Tells us that he will make us to lie down. 
And that's speaking of how the shepherd would cause the sheep to be able, he would bring them to a safe place. He would bring them into an, a sheepfold or create a safe sheepfold for them. And it would, it would be kind of a square or a circle around, around them. It would be built up with stones or something like that. And then it would have, he'd put like thorns on the top of it to try to help prevent wolves and others from trying to, to climb over and get into the sheep. And it had one door. It had one little opening. And the shepherd who cared about his sheep would lie in that door, in that opening, and that's where he would sleep at night with his sheep. And the reason for that was if the robbers and the thieves and the predators could not climb over the walls, there was only one way else they could get to the sheep. They had to climb over him. To get in there to get his sheep, they had to climb over him. He became the door. So in John chapter 10, Jesus tells us he is the door of the sheep. That's what he means. He's the one who's lying there to protect his sheep and to see that they are well cared for and that their rest is safe and they can lie down without fear. During the night, without the shepherd's protection, predators could destroy his sheep and steal them. And so he was seeing to it that that would not happen he would also inspect his sheep constantly to see if they had any blemishes or any ailments of any kind, if any of them had a wound on them that he needed to care for, or if they were broken or something like that, maybe a broken leg, he'd wrap them around his arms and he'd bind up that and he'd carry them. He gives us safe rest and covers us. He would be there to protect us. In John chapter 10, we read, more about the good shepherd. And actually, I'll just give you this scripture reference. I don't have time to read it as well this morning. But in Ezekiel chapter 34, the Lord gives a prophetic word about him as our shepherd. And in the first part of that chapter, I'll just tell you, it's dealing with the bad shepherds. It's dealing with the false shepherds. And he is, he's speaking of them, how he's going to judge them. He, he um, speaks against his, his anger toward them because they're not representing him. They are not taking care of his sheep. They're fleecing them instead of feeding them. And he's angry about that. But then in the last part of that chapter, he talks about how he will be the shepherd over his people. And he goes through and he talks about all the wonderful things he will do for them. And then Jesus comes on the scene in John chapter 10 as the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. And Jesus says, I'm going to read a few verses in John chapter 10. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And then he goes on down in verse 7. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. And then he goes on and he talks about how he loves his sheep. He knows them and that he will even lay down his life for his sheep, that he cares for them that much. So he is the door of the sheep. He is the good shepherd. In Psalm 23, it talks about how they will lie down in green pastures. Excuse me. Speaks of them lying in rest in the place where they can safely enjoy good pasture. Speaks of his intimate knowledge of his sheep. Listen, he is intimately interested in every little detail of every one of his flock. He knows every one of them. It just told us that by name. He knows you by your name. He was intricately involved in your formation. He crafted you. He crafted that, that little spiral thing that's in every one of our cells called DNA. He crafted in there exactly what color hair you were to have, how your nose was to look, how your, what color eyes you were to have. Every single minute detail about you, your shepherd knows and your shepherd cares. He would feel when you are straying. He feels it. He knows when you're not where you need to be. The good shepherd knows his sheep one by one. And you can read more about how he intricately designed you in Psalm 139. He crafted every minute detail about us. And so when we're not close to him, he feels it. He feels it. He knows us that well. He leads us beside still waters. Speaks of how he accompanies us by his leading. He would stay with his sheep. A good shepherd would stay with his sheep. And he would lead them. And they knew his voice. That's why they wouldn't follow another. Matter of fact, in, um, in the Middle Eastern times, a lot of times several shepherds would bring their flocks to the water at the same time. To the watering hole. And when it was time to leave, every shepherd whose sheep knew his voice, he would gather them just by calling them. And they wouldn't go to somebody else, who, another shepherd who was calling for, their, for his sheep because he wasn't their shepherd. They knew their shepherd's voice, even out of the many others. And they would follow their shepherd and only theirs when he called. And they would not go to another one. They knew him that well. They knew his voice that well. And that speaks, if they knew his voice that well, that speaks of how intimately he related to them. He had, he talked to them. He soothed them. He spoke to them on a regular basis. And they began to learn his voice. A little baby, it doesn't take long for a baby to learn mama's voice or to learn daddy's voice, does it? And they know those. They might hear voices of others around them, but they're not their mama. They're not their daddy. They don't know them like they know mama and daddy. Same thing. The sheep know their shepherd's voice. 
Psalm 23 talks about he restores my soul. He revitalizes us. He returns us to a starting place of wholeness. That place where we talked about a few weeks ago, Jehovah Rophe, the Lord, our healer, that place where in our body, soul, and spirit, we are whole. In all of our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. He leads us in paths of righteousness, paths that are not crooked, paths that are not dangerous or difficult for us to maneuver. They're straight paths. Jesus taught that straight is the way, remember, and narrow for the Christian to walk on. He leads us in straight paths, and he does it for his name's sake, speaks of right living, following his lead, and how that affects all of our lifestyle. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and many of us have been there, whether it's through some health issue or some other major issue in our life, we can fear no evil, but notice the reason. It's why? Because we're not walking alone. He is with us. He says, do not fear any evil because I am with you. The good shepherd is with us. We are not alone. I heard the choir practice in this morning. Some of their songs, I am not alone. I am not alone. We're not alone even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Life can be hard sometimes. Life can give a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. But we're not alone and we don't have to fear because our shepherd is right beside us and with us. His rod and his staff bring comfort to us. The same tool that sometimes he uses to defend us also can bring comfort to us through correcting us and through being a source of comfort, comfort and consolation to us. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. I've heard this described as if, as if our enemies, as if Satan is forced to watch us enjoy a feast that he cannot touch us and interfere with. He's not allowed to. I read about a soldier, and he was saying if an enemy was around, he would eat hastily. He'd grab a quick bite, and back, he would go back into the battle. But in this passage, Jesus is telling us that we don't have to do that. We can eat relaxed. Even in the midst of our enemies, even when our enemies are there, we can eat relaxed even if they're close by because Satan knows not to mess with the shepherd. He can't touch us if we're right beside our shepherd. This one was very interesting. He, it says he anoints our head with oil. And I looked up some information about that. And this is interesting. Sheep would be anointed with oil for three main reasons. One of them was bugs. Bugs would like to fly up into the, flies especially, would love to fly up into the sheep's nose. And in doing so, he would, the, the bug would lay eggs that would then damage the sheep's brain, and it would make him kind of crazy, and he would be butting his head all around against walls and things like that, trying to get relief from this damage that's inside of his head because of the bugs. And so they would anoint him with oil to protect him from these flies. And so sometimes that anointing with oil can help relieve us from irritations that can bother us. The other thing it would do is it would help in headbutting. And the male sheep especially 
would butt heads a lot because it was territorial. They were fighting for, they were vying for that position. They were vying to assert themselves that they were over that territory or whatever. And so they'd butt heads with other um, male sheep. And so this, it, it's as if in the body of Christ, sometimes there are disagreements. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we have to, the Bible talks about forbearing with each other putting up with each other and, and being able to do that in love. And so it's a way for us to get along, even in the church, and not harm each other, but let things roll off of us like the oil would do with these sheep. And it also was used for whenever they had a cut because it had a healing property to it. So he would pour the oil in there, and it would speed up the healing. So when it's talking about him anointing us with oil, it's a beautiful, tender thing for some of those purposes. It talks about how our cup runs over, satisfaction to our thirst. Jesus said what? That those that drink of his living water would never what? Thirst again. They would never thirst again. He fills us up. He is the reward. He brings the satisfaction. He promises goodness and mercy to his sheep forever and that they will dwell in his house as well. One last point I wanted to bring out before I close up for tonight, and, and I want to read this to you because it's a beautiful passage, and I know myself it has brought me great comfort, and I want to share it with you as well because some of you may be in the same situation. In Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, I want to read you a story that you're very familiar with, but I want to read it again and share a few, a few things from this. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he comes back home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. And we've heard that before about how the good shepherd who loves his sheep will go after anyone who strays away. But I want to tell you, I want to point out this one thing in this verse, and this brings me a lot of comfort. Because every one of us that are of any age, and you may have grown children, if you have grown children, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it wearies your soul because you have to pray over them and intercede for them. Sometimes they're not where, they, where you want them to be with the Lord. Sometimes they stray. Sometimes they go away. Sometimes they play around with the fringes and they get taken away by the wolf, and we have to cover them in prayer. But I want you to know that our good shepherd, he tells us right here that the shepherd who loves and cares for his sheep will go after even one that leaves his fault. And it says here, and this is what I count on, and I call out to God many times this verse for my children and for my grandchildren, I said, Father, you said that you are the good shepherd. And you would go after every lost sheep until you find it. He is a relentless sh shepherd. He's not just a good shepherd. 
He is also a relentless shepherd. When one of his sheep is gone, he's bound and determined. He'll find no rest until he goes and he finds it. And when he finds it, he'll bring it back to himself. And I pray that over my children and over my grandchildren every day. I'll say, Father, you said you're the good shepherd. You go after the prodigals. And I pray it over the prodigals of other friends and family I know. And I'll pray that and i say, God, go after them until you find them. And wrap them around your shoulders. Bring them home. Bring them back to the safety of the home. So may that bring you comfort. May that bring you comfort. And I found in my study of the Lord as our shepherd that it's so important for us, his sheep, And for us to pray over other sheep that may not be in this place. That we stay close to the shepherd. As long as we're close to the shepherd, our enemy won't come near us. He may try to taunt us. He may lie. He may give us his deception. But he can't touch us when we're close to the shepherd. Because he's not about to deal and tangle with that shepherd. He knows him very well. But when we get into danger is when we start to stray. When we start to play around on the fringes. When we don't stay close to him. But rather we we kind of start to walk away. We kind of start to wander away. The farther we get from him, the more prey we become for the devil. Who can pick us off. That's what the devil wants. He wants to get us out into the fringes. Because he knows out there. We're easy prey for him, and he can pick us off. So my encouragement to you is to get to know your shepherd intimately as he knows you and to stay close to him at all times because that's your safest place. He loves you. He wants an intimate relationship with you, and he wants you to stay close to him so that you are protected and you are covered And he can feed you and nourish you and bring you to complete soundness and wholeness. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray this prayer over them that they will find you to be the Lord our shepherd, that tender, loving shepherd that cares for every one of us. I lift up right now prayers for every one of our lost loved ones, every one of our prodigal children, grandchildren, whatever it may be. You know exactly where they are. You see them exactly where they are. And they are marked for covenant blessings because you are a faithful God. And your word says that you keep covenant and mercy with us, with our children and our grandchildren, even unto a thousand generations. You promised it, and I claim your word. I stand on your word for it, Lord. And I appeal to you on the basis of your word to go after every one of our prodigals until you find them and bring them back in Jesus' name. And keep us safe. Keep us close to you, Lord. Help us develop an intimate relationship with you. Draw us in to that intimate place with you and deliver us, Lord. We thank you for your provision. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. And we love you, Lord. And ask that you would do these things to the honor and praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.